You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, listen, last week we started talking about kind of what it looks like to do church as a family. And man, when you start talking about that, it just opens up uh, so many things. uh, Because everybody has had a different experience with family. Everybody can say amen to that, right? Uh, But here's the reality. So... Uh, and I'm just going to br- I'm going to touch on a few things I said last week, real quick, before I dive into this other stuff. But you know, the reality is that family was never man's idea; it was God's idea, right? Uh, because the government of God is is established on family, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And right when God rolls out from the very beginning, we talked about this. He didn't wait till halfway through the scriptures or halfway, you know. He rolled right out and he said, let us create man in our image. So the first thing he wanted to do was create man in his family's image. And so he did that. And, um, you know, the fall brought a lot of things that did not really look like what family was intended to look like. The fall brought in man's perception of what family should look like. And God, in his amazing grace, had a plan to send Jesus to redeem every bit of that. Aren't you thankful for that? So we've all got to understand that even though we might experience negative things in our lives or we experience uh, we have negative encounters with, with natural family or people around us or friends that God's come to redeem every bit of that. And, uh, you know, Jesus made it really, uh, Jesus made it apparent that when he came back, he was going to come back and he was going to redeem what family was meant to look like. Uh, because if we, if we look at, um, we look at the scripture in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, for us, for to us, a child is born. To us, the son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The government. What government were they talking about? The government of God, the government of family. Uh, Adam and Eve were originally carrying that mantle from God. He gave them the ability to, he said, go uh, reproduce, go and make a family and govern what we've given you. And we know what happened. They fell. They made mistakes. They sinned. And then that whole thing ended up going south, way south. <laughs> and, and so Jesus is coming back, and it says that the government was going to be rebuilt on his shoulders through his sacrifice. And aren't you glad for that? Because Jesus, when we talked about this a little bit last week, how Jesus, God could have, isn't it interesting that God could have brought Jesus back in any form, any age, but he decided to do it to bring him back as a baby and put him in family. So that he could experience a natural human family and, and understand the principles and the dynamics and everything that God had wanted Adam and Eve to experience and their family experience. Jesus got to experience that as, as a baby up into, into his adolescent years and his teenage years. And then from that point, uh, he transferred from uh, Mary and Joseph's family into, back into the family of God where he called God his father, he began to recite and tell the disciples, this is how we need to pray. And it's interesting because Paul was writing in Ephesians, in Ephesians 3.15, and he goes on to describe God 
as the one whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So Father God is who is our Father. And Jesus came back and he redeemed that. He reconciled that, that fall and that thing that happened in the garden. And now he's restored family back to us through, the, through his sacrifice and through his love. And now we have a perfect model for how we're to walk out love and how we're to walk out family. You know, I think so many times we, we all get so, uh, you know, we, we get so distracted by things that have happened in our lives or things that have happened with relationships or whatever, and we forget really quick that it's not us that, that this all falls on where God is expecting us to make it happen. He is, what he's wanting is for us to know how to lean into his ability in us through the Holy Spirit. And that when we, when we can't do it on our own, and how many of you know that nine times out of ten, you can't do it on your own? Because there's a level of only so much that you can take as a, as a human being, right? And it's like, well, you know, I, I can't be expected to, to keep giving and giving and giving and giving and not get anything in return. And then Jesus comes in and he just kind of blows that theory out of the water. With what? With his life. Because Jesus, he was, he was the prime example. He, was, he demonstrated and he modeled unconditional love and, and how to be a servant. And even in the midst of being rejected. Amen? And so we need to understand that God has given us the ability through him to be able to love well and to be able to redeem family even when it's really, really hard. There are two reasons why we were created and the first one was to be family and to be connected in relationship. And the second one was to rule everything that the Father created. Those are the two purposes why we were created, to be family and to rule. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's funny because we, we were created to be empowered and not managed. And how many of us have been in environments where that has been the reverse, that we, what's been modeled is management and not empowerment, but disempowerment. Am I the only one in here that's experienced that? That was not God's intention. What happens in that? Well, that's, that's a mentality that has not been redeemed yet, and it hasn't been put under the feet of Jesus, because good, a good father, a good mother, they are not disempowering, they are empowering, and they're not exclusive, they're they're. Ex, uh, not ex exclusive, they're inclusive, and they're, they're empowering. And it's like being a good father and being a good mother. I said this last week. I love what Bill Johnson said. He said, you know, uh, my goal in doing what I'm doing at our church is that my ceiling, okay, will become the next generation's floor. That is the mentality that we need to have, and that is the mentality that that is exactly what God the Father has modeled from the beginning is that, that place of empowering and, and to give us the ability to rule and rule well without being managed. That word manage gets adopted through the workplace. It gets adopted through the world's perspective, but that was not God's perspective. His perspective from the beginning was for you to rule and rule really well and be empowered. And so we have to understand that, that word management or manage that has creeped into the church has got to get redeemed. And it's got to get redeemed through the lenses of Jesus, amen? You know, I love John 14, 12, 
Jesus is a perfect example of this. You know, we're to experience the joy of a father or the joy of a mother when they get to see their kids growing, when they get to see their kids doing really well. If you're a parent in here, you know what I'm talking about. When you see your kids succeed, what does it do for your heart? It does, man, it's just amazing. All the time that you've put in, all the love that you put in, all the instruction and the guiding and, the, and, and trying to encourage. When you see that coming to, uh, coming to pay off and you're starting to see your kids uh, running and thriving, a good parent, that makes their heart really, really happy. I don't think there's any parent that I've known I mean, there's some parents that have definitely have had things modeled for them, and they haven't experienced that, so therefore they model what it was experienced for them. But when you've been in a good family setting, and you understand what it is to be, to be celebrated for, for what you're accomplishing, that, that's the heart of the Father. And Jesus did this. In John 14, 12, Jesus, I love this. Uh, John 14, 12, it says, um, if you've got your Bibles, you can go there if you want to. But he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, say greater works, because I am going to the Father. Amen? Here's Jesus modeling and demonstrating by what he just said. He goes, not only are, they gonna, are my kids, the, my disciples, the people that follow after me, my family, not only are they going to do great things, but they're going to do greater things just like I did, but they're going to do even greater things than I did. What does that tell you? That tells you he celebrates the fact that you're being empowered. So that is, that's the heart. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to be. To do church as a family, we have to allow that grace that resides in and through Jesus to redeem, okay, redeem any experience that we've suffered at the hands of imperfect people or imperfect leaders. Because that's a big deal. There's always going to be people in your life, there's going to be leaders in your life that are going to be imperfect, and they don't, make the, they don't always make the right decisions. They don't always make the right choices. They don't always model how they're supposed to be modeling things. And I think sometimes we put, we put such a huge expectation on people where we just say, well, they should know. And they should have known how to do this, or they should. But the reality is, when you look deeper into so many things that we that we that we kind of build on with relationships with people, we can't expect something out of somebody if it wasn't modeled for them. We have to learn to have grace. We have to learn how to have forgiveness for people who can't who have not modeled healthy things in our lives and yes it affected us it impacted us but it's okay because why because Jesus is bigger than all that mess amen and we don't have to let it impact us we don't have to let it be a place where it totally tears us down and 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 makes us decide that oh we don't want to have anything to do with this we don't want to have anything to do with family we want to have anything to do with church family we because I got burned and I don't want to be burned again God has redeemed every bit of that and only then we will truly be able to model what family could really look like in our churches you know and here at our church we believe that um, we believe that church we believe that church is a family who creates community that transforms culture and in order to do that, we can't transform or create culture through just words, but also uh, we have to do it through, through core values. 
And we've got to, we can't carry just any core value. We have to carry his core values. If we're not carrying his core values, then we're just doing what we want to do, and we're not doing what he's called us to do or what he wants us to do. His top core value in his life is family. That's the core value. If that's not at the top of our list, then we're not doing this thing right. You know, as leadership at our church, too, and in other churches, you know, sometimes we put so much investment in vision, like, hey, we're going to go after this and this, and we, we have all these plans, and, you know, we can't ever let vision get beyond the real reason why we meet as a church. And what is the real reason we meet as a church? It's, it's people. It's family. It's to empower people. It's to believe in people. It's to encourage people. It's to make people feel loved. I don't ever want our vision at our church to become bigger than the real reason of, of why we're really here and why we were created, and that's for deeper connection and deeper relationship. That's what we're called to do. We will have vision. We will do things, but I don't ever want that thing to become the main thing that drives us. I remember doing a, a, a mobile church for a few years, and you know, the whole staff was a part of the mobile church, and we were setting up and breaking down, and, you know, this was going on for six to eight months, and, you know, we started seeing less and less of our staff being engaged with the people that were coming into the church, and they were more concerned about breaking down and getting everything finished than they were meeting with people. And we knew right then, okay, something's got to switch. Something's got to change because the focus has to be on people. It can't be just on a job or getting that job completed. It has to be, our focus has to be on why are we here? Why are we, why are we a part of this church? Why are we coming into this church? Is it just to hear a word? Is it just to, to do due diligence? What, what is the purpose of coming here? Are we going to be just consumers or are we going to be producers? There, that's, that's, that's a huge shift in the American church mentality where we've, we've got to switch from being consumers to being producers, that we understand that we're coming with a purpose, and that purpose is connection. That purpose is relationship. That purpose is to ask God when you come into church, who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to connect with today? Who do you want me to be intentional with today? If that's not the reason why you're here, then you, we, we, we need to, all of us, we need to do a checkup every time we walk in the doors of the church. Because that's the heart of the God of, of the Father. And so um, we've just got to get into a place where we understand that, hey, listen, f doing church as a family, uh, it, it looks like there's a lot of things that people are going to be pouring into us, but it also means that we're going to be pouring into other people as well. Because as a, as a, as a family at home, uh, our family, that's what happens in our family. It, you know, there are, there are times that, our kids pour into us, but then there's a lot of times we're pouring into them. It, you know, it, it flips back and forth. That is what a real family does. It's empowering. It's activating. It's loving. It's creating a sense of belonging. That's what we need to be doing here. We need to be care, uh, creating a sense of belonging. We're going to talk about that a little bit further here in a minute. Um, but we need to understand that God is doing something different right now. He's, do he's doing totally something different. And, um, you know, we got to get to a place where um, 
we can't come in and just give up because we've had experiences that have been negative or we've tried and something's happened. You know, we can't give up on family or give up on community because we've, we've experienced a bad relationship. Or we say, well, I've gone to church on Sundays. I just can't connect with anybody. I've gone to small groups, and I just can't seem to connect with anybody. It's just a struggle. Or I've gone to, small, I've gone to women's meetings or men's meetings, and it's just a struggle. And, you know, Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due season, you will reap the reward. Listen, you know... We've got to understand we don't, that we can't believe the lie that if we're struggling, that it's not good. In America, if we feel like there's anything negative happening in our lives right now, especially in this time and in this culture, if it's negative and we're struggling, that it's not good. Well, that's a lie. You got to understand that. As a Christian, you were never promised that you wouldn't have hardships or obstacles. You were promised that you were going to have hardships and obstacles. You were also promised that there would be struggle. I, boy, I'm not getting any amens on that one, am I? <laughs> Listen, struggling, struggling is, is good because for many of us, the struggle, listen, the struggle was and is that uh, we were hurt in family or community, and the struggle is we're going to have to trust again. That's the big struggle. Oh, I'm going to have to trust again. And we just automatically, we don't want to go there because, because it, triggers us, and it takes us to a place of pain, but we, we have to understand that struggle also leads to maturity, because there's a, just because there's a struggle doesn't mean God's not trying to do something in the midst of it, because in the midst of the struggle, you're, there's, a, there's something happening on the inside of you. You're getting perfected. You're growing. You're building character. You're building integrity. The people that don't build integrity and character and don't grow are the people who run from struggle. Sorry. Let me tell you something. I know this firsthand because I used to run from struggle. And then when I would wind up in the same place I was a year before that, I would start crying to God, God, why, why is this happening? Why, why isn't things, you know, why aren't things moving in a more positive direction, da, da, da. And he's like, well, you know what? You're running from what I'm trying to do in your life. And the only way I'm going to be able to do it is by turning up the heat. You know, we talk, I think I've used this illustration before, but, you know, the difference between a swordsmith and a blacksmith is a blacksmith just makes a product as fast as he can for, for, uh, for quantity. But a swordsmith makes quality, and he doesn't care about quantity. He wants the, his product to be the best sword that was ever made. And the only way that sword becomes the best sword it was ever going to be made is through tempering and heating it up, cooling it down, heating it up, makes the blade stronger. It creates a, a better uh, metal, a better, a better sword. And if you skip any of those products or any of those steps, the sword will break, and the sword will not be it. It's the same thing with us in our lives. Struggle is like being in the hands of a swordsmith. We've got to allow ourselves to go through being heated up in order to take out all the impurities in our life. And it's not a, it's not a great place. It's not a fun place, but it's necessary. Now, I've got a friend who is uh, in California, 
and uh, his, his name's Andre Warren. And Andre, he, he's an ex-police officer. He used to be here in Atlanta. Big old guy and just fantastic human being. And he started working out, and he just got into working out. And now he's competing in, in national contests all over the world. And he would never, he just recently got, um, he just won another meet in California that opens him up to go into a different class. And he wouldn't be doing that. He wouldn't have made it into that place if he was afraid of being in a little pain when he's working out. But he, muscles have to tear in order to grow and, and, to, and to be able to get bigger. We as Christians have to get to a place where we understand that um, struggle is not a bad thing. We can't give up just because we're struggling. We've got to realize that God is in the middle and he's doing something and it's possible that God can do anything that he's wanting to do in your life. And you know, Jesus is greater than your struggle. Somebody say amen to that. He's greater than your struggle. And, and understanding that in that struggle, there's going to be fruit produced. And uh, we've just got to get to a place in the church. If we, as we move forward in doing church as family, we've got to understand that there's going to be times that it's not going to always be fun. That sometimes we're going to get tweaked. We're going to get, uh, you know, uh, we're going to get poked. We're going to get, you know, and something is going to remind us. We might don't. We might not even know what it is because we've buried it so deep. But something somebody says, or we run in to another person, or there's a, you know, a just not a real pleasant altercation, whatever it is, and we take off and we run from it. And we are going. We are going to have to. We're going to have to allow ourselves to let God do what He's wanting to do in our lives if we're ever going to see that redeemed, spiritual family redeemed in our lives. We're just going to have to. And I know it's not pleasant, it's not fun sometimes, but I promise you, if you stick it out and you keep going after it, God's going to show you the reward that's in it. it it's not a question of if it's going to happen, it's a question of when. I mean, I've seen so many people that have come through the church, not just this church, but churches in general, and the people that don't find family and don't find fulfillment are the people who refuse to stay through the struggle. They, and we see them everywhere, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying, we've got to, it's, you've got to be aware of what's, ha what's happening. P when people jump from church to church to church to church, and they never stick, and they never find a place that they can commit to, nine times out of ten, it's because they don't want to be known. That's why your megachurch is just so easy to go hide in a megachurch. Because nobody can see you. Because there's so many people there. It's, it's not as easy when you're in a smaller church. Because everybody, it's, it's easier for people to get to know you. If you really let down your guard and you let them know you. But that's, that's a part of growth. It's a part of, hey, I'm going to get vulnerable here. So how do, how do we do church as a family uh, and do it better as a family? One of the things we have to do and we have to be intentional about is we have to understand that we there's a sense of belonging that needs to happen, a sense of belonging. We create a sense of belonging in our churches, just like we do in our families. That's the goal that we're going after, and we're trying to get to that place. Brene, Brene, uh, Brene anybody know who Brene Brown is? I love Brene Brown. Uh, man, she is amazing. Uh, this is her quote. She said, everyone is looking for, a true, for true belonging to be a part of something real. 
True belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to people around us and risk discomfort. <laughs> wow. We have to risk discomfort. That's hard to do. Oh, we already went to the first slide. That's okay. Just stay on there. Um, you know, belonging, belonging is one of the deepest longings of humanity and the most value, valuable element for growth. And uh, we were all created to belong in relationship with God and with each, with each other. I remember belonging, and I'm not saying this to, to make people feel sorry for me. Everybody knows my story. I grew up without, uh, without a family. Uh, I was raised by my great-grandmother. And I remember as I got into my teenage years living with an extended part of uh, our family. And uh, all I really wanted was to feel a sense of belonging, like I belonged. And I, I never felt that way. And, and it was a difficult situation. But being in that environment, I never felt like I belonged. You ever felt like that in places? Like I just don't feel like I belong. Like there's something there that just keeps me from feeling like I'm a part of what what's going on here. And we as a church and in the church as a whole, we here we are, we have God as our father and we all family has been redeemed under him and yet we really stink at making feel people feel like they belong. Because our, we're focused more on the than the don'ts than on the do's. We've got, we have got to shift, what, again, what is the most important thing in our environment? It's to make people feel like they belong. And when we surrender to what he says instead of what we've experienced, this is huge, we will become whole and truly experience healing through our spiritual family. And, uh, you know, we have to, you know, especially in this time of cancel culture and in this time where, you know, everything is just like, well, I don't agree with this, cancel you. You know, if, if, if you're not agreeing with me 100%, uh, we're gonna can I'm going to cancel and I'm not going to even be connected to you. And I've got to understand that my experiences don't dictate God's truth. God's truth is true no matter what you're experiencing. And as long as you continue to live from a place of what you're experiencing rather than living from the truth, you're never going to enter in into the fullness and the joy and the happiness and the family and the love and the belonging that God has for you until you give it all up. It's just like when you first got saved. I, I mean, I remember when I got saved and I gave my life to the Lord, it was because I finally came to the end of my rope and I said, okay, I'm going to quit fighting. I'm going to quit struggling. I'm going to quit trying to make this happen because I can't make it happen. And I'm miserable. I don't want this anymore. What do you, so Jesus, what do you got for me? And when I came with that kind of heart and said, what do you have for me? Man, I got everything he had for me. I became a son. I began to experience his pleasure in my life. I began to experience his favor in my life. I began to experience feeling like I was a part of something. I began to start feeling like, oh my gosh, uh, all the lies that I've been believing are not true and that I can walk in the promises of God. They're all, what, yes and amen for me because I leaned into that. And so, you know, we've got to understand that when we truly 
believe what he said instead of believing our experiences, that's when we're going to see breakthrough in our lives. We have to make sure that we don't come... uh, we don't come in a place where we have this unreal expectation. We come with an expectation of, Jesus, whatever you can do. Whatever you can do, I want every bit of it. And I want, you to re- I want to receive that in my life. And uh, there are nine things we can do to be engaged with those who come into our church and create family. And I'm going to go through these pretty fast because we're running out of time. But the first, the first one is, and we've already got it up, is take initiative or be intentional, okay? Seek out others and cultivate belonging. And again, we're coming back to this thing where we don't want to be just consumers. You know, did you, I read something the other day, and there's a list of stuff, but most of the church lives its life from a place of being consumers. Uh, they, they come going, what can you do for me? And they come for the funniest reasons and some of the, the saddest reasons to be a part of a church. Just a couple off the top is the first thing that people look for when they're coming to a church is, is the speaker good? Okay, well, that's important. Yeah, it's, it's important. Like, the speaker needs to be good, but here's the reality of that. And so many of you guys have experienced this, and so have I. Just because somebody's good at speaking doesn't mean they model what they say. Okay. Uh, an old preacher said one time, you, you, you preach what you know or you teach what you know, but you impart who you are. That's what's more important, is modeling and imparting who you really are. And that's why things are so whack, because people have got their priorities out of, out of, out of line. You're coming for the wrong reason. I mean, yeah, we want to hear a good message. We want to hear somebody speak well, but... It, that's okay, but if, if, if the person behind the po- podium is not modeling what he's preaching about, you're in bad shape. And then we want to know why we don't have a closer sense of family or, or understand what it means to belong because that person doesn't carry that. And, and we've got to understand it's, it's, it's more than that. The second thing is some people come to church out of uh, uh, obligation. That was like the number two. Why do you go to church? This was all polled. Obligation. That's the worst reason to go to church because you're not going to get anything just out of obligation. So we've got all these different reasons. We've got to understand that we need to be intentional. We need to be producers, that when we come in here, that we're the hands and the feet of Jesus. Just like I said, when you're coming in here, pray and ask God, how, who can I touch today? How can I be intentional? How can I take the initiative? You know, sometimes we all sit in a chair and we're just like, well, I'm going to see if somebody's going to talk to me today. You know, and, and if somebody doesn't talk to you, then you walk away offended. Say, oh me or oh my, it's true. It's simple, but it, are you guys hearing me right? Have you been there? If I go back to that church one more time and nobody says hello to me, I'll never go back. And then, and then you go to the next church and immediately you walk in with a chip on your shoulder. This church will be just like the last church I was at. Yep, because you stepped through the front door. That's harsh, but it's, it's the truth. Wherever you go, there you are. I've experienced that, me personally, my entire life. And I can't blame anybody. 
I tried, and let me tell you, it doesn't work. So we got to be intentional. Be producers. Don't be consumers. Number two, go to the next one. Uh, we've got to be able to express to others that they are not alone in their pain and struggles. Man, this is huge. You know, when, when others feel you have experienced even a measure of what they've experienced, it creates trust and vulnerability because there's empathy attached to it. And so when we do that, people come in and they're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I have a connection to you because what did you do? You, you made them feel like you understood what they were going through, the things that they were struggling with in the pain that they were in. Number three, validate others' experiences and seek to understand. Man, this is huge. Validate others' experiences and seek to understand. Um, this creates empathy. It conveys the message that you may not understand everything, but I know you care. This is all attached to the heart of the Father. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, I, I used to say uh, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 uh, we would solve a lot of our problems in churches if we would read that whole chapter and live our life from that chapter. If you haven't written it, read it in a while, go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. It will absolutely wreck you because basically it's 100% Jesus and it's 100% you take ownership and there's no excuses. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes. I know it's hard, but we can do it. We can get through it. Be vulnerable. Next one, be vulnerable about your own experiences of pain. Listen, transparency shows your willingness to expose your heart, and this breaks down the walls of protection and communicates to people that you're a safe place. We, listen, we want to be a safe place. We don't want people coming into our environment, coming into our church, and not feel like they're safe. Because what is Jesus? He's safe. He's safe. That was the thing that drew me to Jesus was he's safe. I, I might have been, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, abused. I might have been all these other things, but Jesus was a safe place. The next one, focus on your similarities, not your differences. Wow, this is really hard right now living in cancel culture and living in the, the time that we're living in because everybody wants to talk about their differences, and then they want to prove why they're right and you're wrong. That's not going to do anything for anybody. So we've got to make sure that we, we, we absolutely understand that there's power in difference and that when we lead from a place of humility rather than superiority, we can create trust as well. So uh, next one, find value in perspectives that differ from yours. That's huge. God created us all with different gifts. He created us to be uh, powerful. He created us to, it says that we're all a part of the body. The eye can't say that it doesn't need the nose. The nose can't see it doesn't need the mouth, the mouth, arm, the, the whole thing. We, God created all of us to be jointly put together to make up his body. So find value in, in, in perspectives that different from yours. Uh, it definitely creates value for the other person and their views, and it sends the message that you honor me even though uh, we, we disagree. We agree to disagree. I think I went ahead on that one, but uh, what, what's the next one? Did I do that right? Let go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was right. We agree to, and we used to say this a lot. 
we agree to disagree. We cannot allow disagreement to separate us. This is what we're struggling with right now in, in this country. It's, it's, it's separating all of us because we disagree about certain things. You know, the, the thing is, even though we might disagree about certain things, as a church family, we're all tied to the same spiritual journey. And we're all tied to the same spiritual family. And we've got to learn how to agree to disagree. Now, I'm not talking about scripturally not, you know, not agreeing with what Scripture says. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about with just the way we have views on things or the way we perceive something or the way I might have a value for something. If I don't totally disagree, agree with that, I'm just going to have to find a place where we can agree. You know, and, and that's one of our goals as a church here. We want to partner with other churches. We want to uh, build, uh, we want to build bridges to, ex- to create life and family across denominational lines because one church body cannot take a whole city. I mean, it, supernaturally we can, okay, but realistically it's going to take all of us, the body of Christ, coming together and learning how to walk in disagreement. And, and still being powerful. I remember one time going to an outreach uh, that was in a that was in a um, that was in a in a in a city, and uh, we were trying to, you know, establish kind of a presence there. And so I went to one of the churches there, and I said, "Hey, we want to, we'd love to partner with you guys. And here's what we're going to do: we're going to create all this stuff. We're going to pay for it. Everybody that comes in and gets saved, everybody that comes and has gets impacted, we're going to send them to your church." They were like, oh, man, that's, you know, they were excited. That's so exciting. And then they said, well, what, what, what church do you belong to? And I said, oh, we belong to Bethel. And they're like, oh, no, we can't partner with you. I'm like, why not? And they're like, because we don't believe anything you teach. I'm like, oh, well, let's see. Jesus heals, he saves, he delivers. You got a problem with that? And they're kind of like, well, no, but we got a problem with the way you guys do it. I'm like, <laughs> you guys can't agree to disagree, and you're going to benefit from what we're, I just said, we're going to pay for everything, and we're going to get, that, that's silly. But that's what we deal with on a regular basis. We've got to get to a place where we learn how to agree to disagree. It's just, it's that place. Let go of judgment and stereotypes. Love others where they are at. This will let you, it, this will, uh, this sets you free to love like Jesus did. This was the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees. You know, when the Pharisees had the woman at the well and they were ready to stone her and just let her have it uh, because she was a sinner and, you know, she's been doing all this, sleeping around, all that. What did, what did Jesus do? Jesus came in and he did not judge her. He loved her. Now, he did confront her, and he gave her a word of knowledge, but that was not what he led with. He led with love. Love always draws us back to a place of health and wholeness. It always does. Judgment does not do that. Uh, it just does not do it. And uh, we want to be like Jesus. So let go of judgment and stereotypes. Stereotypes. Um, Go to the next one. Create atmospheres of fun and joy where people can laugh and be themselves. Man, that's a big one. You know, it says wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, what? what? There is freedom and there is joy. 
You wouldn't know that by some of the places we go to. Freedom and joy, what's that? You can't do that. We want to create an environment where you can laugh, you can have fun. Uh, there's life and family. There's you know, all these things. So we need to create atmospheres where that can happen because that is a core value of heaven. And uh, we want to be, we want to partner with that. The next one, the goal is never to fix someone, but simply love, trusting that, tr- that love transforms and heals. This is huge, okay? The goal is never to try to fix someone, but simply love, because love, unconditional love, absolutely transforms people's lives. Uncond- I mean, we've seen it so many times. Uh, people just come in, and they're just broken, or you're out, and you're running into people, and they've experienced the harshness of a critical and a judgmental church or whatever, and instead, somebody leads with the compassion of Christ, leads with a prophetic word, leads with a word of knowledge, or just with a kind action, and automatically, those people, their lives become transformed. They open up to love, not judgment, and... um, it's, you know, it's something that we really want to be a part of, and it's something that we want to demonstrate when people come through the doors of this church. And I hope you guys feel that when you come in here. We, we want to be a, a group of people that know how to love really well, because that's how Jesus is. He loves really, really well. And um, what time we got here? Um, yeah, man, I tell you, this... This next season is, is going to be a challenge. It's a challenge right now. Uh, it's a good challenge. I think we're in a place where the church is never, we're in an uncharted territory right now for the church. The harvest is ripe. People are ripe to have an encounter with the living God, to have an encounter with love, to have an encounter with unconditional love. And we get to carry that. We get to represent that. And if we do it really well and we lead from a place of being family and we lead from a place of learning how to be uh, inclusive and how to be empowering, people are going to, they're going to start understanding that, hey, it's not a bad thing to follow God. It's not a bad thing to give your life to Jesus because he, he brings unconditional love. He brings family. He brings redemption. He brings eternal life. He brings all these things. And it's, it's just a, it's, it's what we're called to do, to make disciples, to lead people to him, back to family, to redeem his family. Everybody stand up. Yeah. So, Father, we just, uh, we, we give you praise. We thank you, Father, for just downloads of what it looks like to do church as family. We thank you, God, that... <laughs> All the experiences we have, all the things that have happened to us, that whether they've been good or bad, that God, you redeem it all. You redeem every single bit of it. And if we're willing to give it to you, you're going to take it from us. You're going to take the hurt. You're going to take the pain. You're going to take everything from us that is not healthy and that is not whole and that is not good and replace it with absolute joy, absolute redemption, and just a place of being empowered as one of your kids. So, Father, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. 
We thank you that you're our Father. We thank you that we have brothers and sisters in the Lord. We thank you that, Father, we are a body of people that are going deeper and running harder than we've ever done before, and that we refuse to quit. We refuse to back down, and we just go after everything that you've promised, that this would be a season of yes in our lives, a season of yes Every one of us in here, God has stamped you with, a, with validation, approval, acceptance, and significance. And he says yes to you. He says yes. Father, we love you and we worship you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. <music>